and he just said to me, he's like, you know, Todd, we've been on a few of these calls lately and I've heard a lot of complaining from you. And he said, do you know when someone becomes an adult? And I was like, well, no, I really haven't put much thought into it. And he said, you become an adult the moment you take personal responsibility for everything that happens in your life. And it just hit me square between the eyes and then he hung up. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers here. This is the show where we go deep with the actual experts to discover what they did that really moved the needle on their business. Always super excited to conduct these interviews and to bring on guests. Today is extra special because I am a newly minted huge fan of our guest today uh, because we just met a couple weeks ago at Ryan Lee's Freedom Fest where we both spoke from stage and I was as the entire room was blown away by Todd's talk was not only incredibly powerful in regards to usable tactic for getting organized and prioritizing your time but Todd's personal stories are uh, very inspiring so we're going to touch on all that stuff today I'm proud to welcome Todd Herman on the show how you doing Todd I'm doing great, and I feel like I've got to talk in my radio voice to try to keep up with your <laughs> sexy voice on the other side of the uh, on the other side of this computer. <laughs> it's amazing how we can do this. I'm sitting here in my office in St. Pete, Florida, with the Yeti mic. You are where? You're in New York. I'm in. I'll be honest. I am standing in my two year old, two and a half year old little girl's room, and my <laughs> my uh, six month old's room with the the computer and my Yeti mic on their shelf because uh, it's a it's a work from uh, work work at home day today. Nice. I love it. So you're surrounded by very colorful things and soft plush things, and yeah, I've got more tutus around me than I care to <laughs> care to express. Plus, I've got taxis and sirens outside the window here in New York. Perfect. I love it. I love. It. I mean, that's the beauty of it. And this show is no less uh, significant or entertaining than anything on the radio right now. So exactly, it's magic time to be an entrepreneur for sure. Todd, tell everybody a little bit about about what you do. And I know you're sort of new to our world of marketing. So I'd love to hear your, you know, how you entered this this little universe. Yeah. So I think when you say like new to the world of marketing, you kind of probably are referring to the, the online yes, space, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. But I've owned a uh, sports performance and mental toughness training organization for the last 18 years called The Peak Athlete. And I've worked with uh, professional athletes from basically every single sport you can imagine across the globe and over 82 Olympians competing in multiple different Olympics, Hmm. as well as, you know, mentoring a lot of amateur athletes. Something that came out of that is the very nature, I guess, of working with some of the top performers on the planet is you get type A personalities, entrepreneurs, executives that say, well, I've got to perform at a high level. Like, can you work with me too? And the answer is always, yeah. And it's actually a lot easier uh, because you have a lot more controllables typically in your life than an athlete does. So early on, uh, I launched another coaching and consulting advisory company called No Limits, which uh, focused more on uh, the leadership 
and uh, communication side of being a leader in organizations. And I ended up selling that so almost a decade ago hmm. to uh, an oil company. Wow. And, uh, and then I've had multiple different businesses like many other people have had throughout the years as well. But typically, I've pretty much always stayed in the consulting and advising space. And now in the last probably five or six years, I sort of fell into this group where I, I met someone randomly at a um, I was doing a speech at an event in uh, Washington, D.C., which was a sporting event. And I was in a hotel and sitting at the bar after I did my talk. And a guy sat down next to me and we ended up chatting for a long time. And he was an online business guy doing a bunch of affiliate marketing stuff. And he was just asking me about what I did. And, and it turned out that um, I was at the same hotel as Yannick Silver's hmm. underground seminar. Now, I didn't know any of these people. And yeah. uh, that's actually where I met uh, Ryan Lee, who you just uh, mentioned, mm -hmm. and started getting to know some of these people. And then they asked me for you know coaching and advising and started to work with a lot of the um, a lot of online. I'm behind the scenes with some of the probably the biggest names in online, the online, I guess, teaching space, e-commerce space as well. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just last year, I ended up launching the programs that I've been using in the corporate world and in the athletics world, something called the 90-day year, which is my framework for how to, as an entrepreneur, get things done, how to execute and achieve things so that you can see meteoric growth and scale in your business. Because typically entrepreneurs are terrible at mm -hmm. executing on their ideas. Mm -hmm. They're great with their ideas, but they have a whole bunch of half-built bridges, which right. you and I both know that when you've got a lot of unfinished things or things that you started but never completed, it actually really tears away at your self-esteem and your self-concept, which is not a recipe for lifetime success. So, well, that's a, that's a really great point because we think that it's our job to come up with ideas, but yeah. it's really our job to to complete projects, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And and you actually kind of hit on the key word here is never has the term project been more important because if when you take a look at how quickly the world of business moves nowadays and especially the type of business that you're in within the online space, you're just moving from project to project to project. And so mm. your ability to execute faster than other people and get that thing birthed and out there working for you is your competitive advantage, which is what the 90 year system is all about is creating really great growth in a business because you're just getting things done quicker than other people. And then that very active getting things done means that you're learning and closing feedback loops far more rapidly when you close feedback loops. Mm -hmm. That's where experience and wisdom come from. Mm. And and now you're just far more valuable, not only to just your clients, but just in the world in general when people come to you for advice. Wow. How did you become a mental toughness expert? <laughs> I, it was very accidental. It was not planned. I was a, uh, uh, I, a college football scholarship. I was a pretty good athlete. I was a nationally ranked badminton player as well. And me getting into the zone or the flow state, that kind of place, that elusive place that many athletes strive to get to, mm -hmm. um, was very easy for me. I kind of fell into the, the mental game side of things when I was about 15 or 16. And that was t simply because I was a horrible teammate to all of my peers that were on the teams that I competed on. And my coach pulled me aside one day and he's like, listen, Todd, there's no doubt that you're a really good athlete and that you're probably going to achieve the goal of getting your football scholarship. But 
here's the reality. No one likes playing with you mm. and you're exceptionally not coachable um, <laughs> because you just think you know it all. But he was a great mentor to me and he didn't leave me in that place. He said, here's a book. You need to read this book on essentially it was on leadership. And in that book, it mentioned, you know, the mind and kind of how it worked. So I kind of fell down this rabbit hole and that I just consumed more and more information about just the biology of how we work kinesiology, neuroscience stuff. And I basically kind of accidentally fell into the biological process of how you get into the zone and flow state. And so I used that and I flexed that muscle when I was in high school and was able to perform at my absolute peak level for pretty much the entire entirety of a game or a match because I was just staying so focused on the process. And when I got done playing basically competitively, I started, you know, like many people, volunteering coaching and would spend more time talking to kids about the six inches between their ears mm-hmm. rather than them telling telling them, hey, you need to run more cones or you need to practice harder because a lot of times those kids were already practicing hard. Yeah. It was just their approach was off. And then word kind of spread and people asked me to come out and do some talks, which I did for free. I just I loved talking about it. And uh, and that just led to people asking me, well, hey, would you mentor my kid? And that's how the peak athlete was born. Mm. When that coach pulled you aside, were you motivated to learn and and study that book because you were embarrassed that to learn that you were a bad teammate or was it a little bit of that to get your attention and a a heavy dose of wow this can make me even better it wasn't necessarily a heavy dose of this is going to make me better it was and this is where great coaching and mentorship really comes from people talk about hiring someone who's got phenomenal success and experience. But at the end of the day, if you find someone who doesn't have as much success as that person, mm-hmm. but you explicitly trust them, mm-hmm. that is the most important part of the relationship. And I explicitly trusted Grant. He always looked out for me. And he was it was coming from a place of like, this is, this is going to help you. Mm-hmm. But he was also completely real and honest with me. Right. Now, it's not like I loved it at the time. Yeah. Um, but because it came from him, if it came from anybody else, I would probably have dismissed it mm. and told them they didn't know what they were talking about. But because it came from him, someone who was a very good athlete as well, very successful athlete, right. and then was also an exceptional mentor and coach to me, that message carried a way heavier weight than if someone else had said it to me. So, so at what point do you decide that it's not athletics, but helping other athletes in the mental game that's going to be your career? I don't think it was like a decision. It was just a a peeling of the onion slowly. I mean, anyone who's ever played athletics at a high level, they, that day that you realize that you're not going to play it at that level anymore Mm -hmm. is a kind of a, it's, it's a hard day for many people, but Mm -hmm. then uh, a natural part of the human experience is wanting to share your experience with other people. Unless Mm -hmm. you're basically a sociopath that was the only, and that's the truth. Like only yeah. sociopaths are, tip, are the only people who don't have that mm-hmm. innate human desire to want to help other people. And so, and my brother was a was always someone I looked up to, and he was a great athlete, and more importantly, he was just a phenomenal leader. Mm-hmm. And um, when we got done playing, he he lasted longer than me. But uh, we had a conversation. He's like, okay, now it's our job to go out and and motivate other kids to want to use football as a means of developing their personal leadership skills. And so that was in, like, that was inspiring to me to, you know, now I can take my experience. I can still be around the game. Now yeah. it's just that I'm not going out there and, and, you know, clobbering people. Right. I'm, I'm now expressing it in a different way. 
was it was it hard for you to make that transition? Um, no, 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 no. I think it was. I'm I'm sort of a natural teacher that way. Yeah. So it wasn't hard to let go. Like you said, that's that's just, that day happens and it is difficult, but you sort of quickly realize, well, this isn't much of a choice. My body's letting me know what's up here. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you find other avenues, but um, it's it's definitely never the same. Sure, right. I have to ask you about your one of your other mentors. It's just an unbelievable stroke of fortune here. Yeah. It, well, I'll say this. Let me preface. I've thought a lot about mentors in my life. I can connect the dots over my adult life through stand-up comedy and through this business of, of copywriting through mentors. Yeah. I've been incredibly blessed with mentors. And I always say how fortunate I am for that. And that is 100% true. However, if, if I'm being honest, I get to take a little bit of the credit because I'm a really eager student. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. A key, that's an essential component, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but your mentor is one of my mentors from very uh, afar, but Jim Rohn has had an incredible effect on my life in his teachings. Uh, and please quickly tell the story of, of how you came to be friendly and, and personally mentored by the great Jim Rohn. Yeah, it was, again, kind of accidental. You kind of used the word fortunate, and that definitely was fortunate. I was invited by my uncle to go with him to uh, an award ceremony where he was getting an award, sat next to him at the head table, and I ended up talking uh, to the gentleman next to me. He was asking me all these questions. I was really young. I was in my early 20s, and I had just won – an award in Canada. And he, so he was, you know, taking interest in me, asking me what I wanted to do with it and what my goals were. And he was just asking me questions that, you know, the average person that you, when you sit next to them would never ask you. Hmm. So I was, you know, just like anyone who asks you questions like that, and you're just in, super engaged in the conversation. I was probably dominating it and I wasn't asking anytime I tried to ask him a question back, he would always turn it back on me anyway. Hmm. And then I said to him, I said, uh, you know, are you are you here to win an award tonight too? And he said, no, I'm actually the keynote speaker. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I just got done finished. I just finished telling him how I wanted to get out there and start speaking. And that was my goal. And I felt embarrassed that I didn't know that he, that's who, or who he was. Now, I didn't know who it was at the time. And then he got up and gave, you know, 56 minutes of the greatest oratory I'd ever heard live and sat back down and I was just mesmerized by him. And he turned to me and said, listen, kid, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. Here's three things you need to go and do. And, and I, of course that was Jim Rohn. And, uh, and so that was a Saturday night on Monday at one o'clock, I called him back with the three things finished. Um, and he was still traveling. And then he called me the next day and said, all right, well, you're a, the fastest person who's ever responded and be one of the only people who's ever even finished the tasks. So wow. he kind of took me under his wing and we met and talked for, over a decade until basically um, he passed away. So, wow. um, and and that person again, and you know this, those mentors they remove obstacles, they allow you to, they steer you around things. He opened up so many doors and introduced me to some great people that really accelerated my learning curve and my path. I guess. Yeah, incredible. Could you share maybe just one behind the scenes personal bit of advice he gave you that that really sticks with you? Oh boy, <laughs> they're so hard to choose. Many. I'm sure. You know, his biggest one. I actually just referenced this the other day when I was talking to somebody. I had just got done kind of complaining to him about me missing out on a contract that I really thought I was going to win with my No Limits company. So it was a it was like a government contract, and I thought I was a shoe in for it. 
and he just said to me, he's like, you know, Todd, we've been on a few of these calls lately and I've heard a lot of complaining from you. And he said, do you know when someone becomes an adult? And I was like, well, no, I really haven't put much thought into it. And he said, you become an adult the moment you take personal responsibility for everything that happens in your life. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me square between, between the eyes and then he hung up. <laughs> wow. And I was like, I was mortified because I thought that he, we weren't going to be talking again. And then he called me back just a few minutes later and he said, did it sink in? And I said, like nothing else you've ever said. Did. <laughs> um, but he was, he was very direct. He was very just <sighs> – he was very honest. The other thing we had in common was because we were both farm kids. I mean, I'm a farm kid from Western Canada, grew up on a really big farm and ranch. And that's where I mean, he grew up in, you know, Washington and Idaho. And so we had a real shorthand in how we communicated back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyone who's listened to him knows he loves to talk about the law of sowing and reaping and, you know, the yeah. farmer going out to the field. And so we could talk like that. And it was a, it, it was a visceral experience for us because we experienced that. Both of us did. So, right. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was really kind of uncanny how we had very similar backgrounds, even though we were born 70 years or 65 years apart. Right. Yeah. I think we, we just find each other in this universe sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, Todd. So I'm going to ask you the big question here of, yep. of the show, and I'm, I'm excited to hear your answer. So, what is the one thing that you've done in your marketing that has produced the most surprising results? So I'm going to go probably a little bit sideways on you and I know probably a lot of your guests talk about some sort of online thing that they did, but mine has always been offline. I built up all of my, most of my businesses on the back of me getting on stages and speaking. Uh, That was the one metric I ever cared about. The one thing that now, now knowing and being very involved in the online space is there's a lot of metrics to pay attention to. But uh, so I kind of um, missed the old days where I just paid attention to one metric. But when I first started out, And I had those questions where people were saying, you know, would you mentor my son or daughter in sport? And I started saying yes. But I thought, are these people just saying, Todd, will you mentor my kid because they know me and they like me? Or is this an actual business? Because I really don't know people who make a living doing this mental toughness stuff. Again, my world is quite small back then. And um, so I resolved because I knew that one skill that I had was I was – very comfortable standing on stages and speaking. I never had an issue with that. Yeah. So I resolved that over the next 90 days, I was going to do as many speeches as I could in the province of Alberta in that time frame. And so I ended up doing 68 speeches in 90 days. Uh, and all of that activity that I did in that 90 days actually has propelled me 18 years later. I've never really had to market since then because mm-hmm. uh, it was just, you know, it launched the rocket ship off the launching pad and uh, helped out. So but what I discovered after the very first, I was smart in the very beginning because you know, it was accidental, accidental smarts. Some of it was I just needed to do it. But when you think about it, it was actually one of the worst businesses to get into because I'm providing a service to one person, but someone else is paying for it. The kid or the teenager is getting the mental toughness coaching, mm-hmm. but the parent is paying for it. Mm. So not the greatest business to be in because the uh, consumer doesn't have the credit card. So anytime I was going out and doing these speeches, I told the associations or the teams that, listen, I'll come out and I'll do their speech for free. But every single athlete in the room has to have at least one parent there. And some of that was because if I had the parent there, then I could possibly sign them up on the spot to do some work with their kids. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening was, and it was very accidental, I started speaking to hockey teams uh, in the beginning. Now, hockey is a very expensive team sport. It's one of the most expensive team sports there is. So you have to be in either middle class or upper middle class or upper class in order to even afford to put your kid into it. Now, 
the demographics of the people that were then in the room, the parents were either entrepreneurs, they were top salespeople, they were leaders in government or in companies, typically people who had some, some good influence. And after I got done doing my speeches, the people would approach me afterwards and they would say, listen, Todd, I loved what you had to say about developing a triune athlete, the mental, the emotional, and the physically strong athlete. And it's so funny because what you were saying was all of these things I was relating to my business or my government agency. Mm. And by chance, do you do any work with, you know, teams and businesses or governments? And I mean, back then I didn't have that no limits company. It was just the peak athlete. And I was, and my response back, which, which is what a good entrepreneur should do is of course I do. Um, (laughs) But what I found was it was a totally Trojan horse way of getting great business where your pricing threshold is way higher. Because what I can charge a company is way different than what I can charge a team or a, a teenager. Because there's just there's the price the price elasticity isn't as high there. Whereas a business, I can directly correlate the work I can do to increasing revenues or right. profits or something like that. Yeah. So that was that was and still to this day, I will go out and do you know the occasional free speech in the New York area here. And I mean that's how I got. Um, well, actually both. That's why I got both of the billionaire clients because I spoke to private academies here in New York City mm-hmm. and um, both of them were in attendance in diff- at different times and that's how I got those people as clients. That's great. That's a, that's a great case study. So- and it's, it's just a good example to people of, you know, we all, I mean, once you start to reach a certain level of success, like I have it now where I get reached out to all the time from people in the online space of, you know, getting on a podcast. And I'll typically say yes to almost all of them mm-hmm. unless I'm in the middle of some really important projects and it's just time-wise it would be a bad move. Because you just – you don't know who might be listening to that person. Right, like right. sitting on the outside and judging the small audience that someone might have mm-hmm. is, um, is a dangerous place to be. And I tell people all the time, I would much rather have – do a speech here in New York City with 50 people in the audience who are my target market than a YouTube video that's gone viral with two and a half million views. Right, right. Any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Any day of the week and twice on Sunday, I would take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And so you discovered your whole nother audience and opportunity just by following your instinct and doing what you knew you could do, which was train yeah. young athletes and found through their parents resonating with your message that there was a whole nother industry there to be tapped. Totally, totally. And I mean, it was, I still got to talk about essentially the exact same things. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, my passion really, I mean, I still have a very strong passion towards mentoring and working with young athletes. Um, I don't do it as much as I do, but I keep a portion of my time set aside mm. where I mentor young athletes for free. I used to get paid for it. Now mm. it's free because I earn a, a really great income and from my other businesses. And so there's no point that I need to extract money from the, the youth that I still work with. Well, that's great. And how, how do you sort of select who you'll work with in that regard? Yeah, well, it takes. It comes down to like commitment. It comes down to a certain level of um, skill that a person has to have because, and a work ethic. I need to know that there's a work ethic there. So I'll, if I'm going to be working with an athlete, I'll I'll talk to the coaches around them, saying, "Hey, like, what are the prospects for this young guy?" Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not because I'm trying to select only the people that are going to be winners, but because, hey, like, if you have some pretty large goals or dreams, you're going to come up against a whole crap load of resistance Mm. and you, and I'll help you with the mental toughness and how to navigate that. But 
I, I still need to have a, a, a skill level there that I can work with because without that skill level, I'm just giving you a bunch of tactics that you can't really go and apply anyway because you, yeah. you don't have that skill. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. I'm curious, you know, you talked about how a lot of the stuff you do with you know, their athletes would cross over to their billionaire parents. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever, you know, there's so much out there, such a history of personal development and mindset coaching before you ever arrived at it. Yeah. Have you ever felt intimidated or ever had somebody sat there across from you and go, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I tried that. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And so, and I, I always come back to the point of, yeah, you might have, mm-hmm. but have you experienced it? Mm-hmm. Because there's two different people in the world that pick up a book and one person reads through it voraciously and consumes all the information and they get to the end of the book and they go, wow, that was an amazing book. And they tell all their friends about it. And then there's another person who attacks the exact same book. And after chapter one ends and there's a couple of questions, they sit down and they answer those questions. Mm-hmm. And then they move on to chapter two. So one person consumes it with the idea of, oh, I'm really interested in this topic. Mm-hmm. Another one sits down with it and says, I'm committed to it. I only work with people who are committed. Great. There's a lot of people out there who are interested in a topic. They've heard it before. Right. Yeah, you've heard it, but you've never experienced it. Right. That's like me describing to the zone to someone. Like if you've never experienced the zone, you don't know yeah. the f- just amazingly peaceful perspective that you get on what is it you're doing and the thrill from it after you're done with it. Mm. If someone who's never been in a zone or a flow state, they don't, it's, they can't wrap their heads around it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that in a second because I, I wonder if I can relate from, from up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so interested in mental toughness, but I'm, I'm interested in, um, for somebody to qualify to work for, uh, with you, yeah. And you talked about they have to be committed, right? Yeah. Do they have to know where they're trying to get or what they're trying to solve or just know that there's something more and that they're uh, uh, blocked? Well, I mean, I would typically, I mean, I would say that I, I, I'm going to be working with people that are, have a direction that they know that they want to be, that they know what their direction is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's better people out there than myself that are suited towards someone maybe finding their way. Yeah. But I would even challenge those people in that you find your way by getting out there. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't find your way by sitting on a couch and reflecting typically. Like you've got to get out there and take action. Right. Like even your question earlier where you said, you know, was this, was there a, a purpose behind you? Like, did you know you were going to get into getting, working in sport this way? Hell no. Mm-hmm. And yet I wouldn't give it up for a professional career because right. I've gotten to work. I mean, I've got to work with the top soccer players in Europe mm-hmm. in Champions League. I've got to work with the top NFL players, world champion tennis players, golfers. And I've got to play in all these different sports without having to go out there and <laughs> put Master my body them. on the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, there's just... I don't know. There's some of us who are just, they, we get just as much reward from seeing our clients win sure. those things than if yeah. we ever did. It's for me, it's such a huge win, Yeah. but I wouldn't have gotten there without me just continuously taking some inspired action and sometimes even uninspired action. Sometimes just, I was doing it and didn't know why I was doing it, but that action created opportunity for me. Um, right. That's, so, well, that's a huge one. I'm just going to stop there for a second because you know, I, I denied working with somebody yesterday for that exact reason was that they just needed their why, right? Yeah. And for me, it's like if you've got your why or you're close to it and you're motivated, 
I, I know I can help you. But if you're sure. kind of, yeah, you know, it's this and it's that, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> like you said, there's just other, just other people I know I can, you should probably talk to. And, 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 but it, action is, is the word, right? If you, you just, it doesn't have to be the perfect answer. But no. movement, you know, life rewards movement. Success yeah. re- rewards action. And, and so sometimes it's just about just don't be here tomorrow. Be, yeah. be a step forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that it, it comes from that place of, yeah, but there's, there's, you know, if I, if I took some action now, I might waste some time mm. and there's, there's good, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better way that someone else has figured out. And that's constantly going to keep people just stuck on a treadmill and not even on a treadmill, sitting on the treadmill, not even walking the treadmill. <laughs> not even they're on, just, yeah. They're just sitting on it. And, and that's, and that chafes the ass because if the rubber doesn't stop, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, you've got to you know, take that action. And what they're looking at is the wrong – is looking at it through the wrong lens too of, you know, I'm going to be wasting some time. You're not going to be wasting time. If you're taking action, you're going to be learning. You're, you're going to be making – you're going to be stumbling but typically you're still going to be moving forward and that experience – is going to hone your decision making ability and it's going to hone your your why or narrowing mm-hmm. your focus which are just completely invaluable. Yeah, it's it's just like your story of starting with one thing discovering a a, a bigger yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So that now you're able to do the original passion sort of as a charity. Yeah. Because the greater thing is so rewarding. And so yeah. that's a great example of exactly what you're talking about. You yeah. just don't know what, what's down there, but you got to be moving towards something, something yeah. that, that seems right. Okay, Todd, again, I really appreciate you coming. want to respect your time, but I have to ask you this. I'd love like one mental toughness takeaway. I just started a book called Way of the Seal. Yeah. You're probably familiar with it. Yeah. And I, I'm, so I'm really new in the book, but there was a thing about extrinsic motivation and yeah. intrinsic motivation. That really struck me because... You know, I was never athletic as, as a young man, right? Yeah. And so here I am. I had heart surgery 10 years ago. And so that got me more focused on physical activity. And now I'm, I'm pretty fired up. But I'm 45, right? Yeah. So it's not a lot of greatness ahead of me, <laughs> but I'm motivated. And, and so I'm very aware of the mental game because when my trainer's trying to push everything I've got out of me. I know it's always the mental, it's the thought that, that stops me way yeah. faster than my body would give in. Yeah. And, and so, and I noticed that in those moments, it's always an external thought that gets me to mm-hmm. collapse. And, 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 and I'm like, ah, if I could just avoid, then the, is that the zone? Like, like really focusing, you know, sort of inward and finding a deep uh, intrinsic motivation. Is that, is that kind of accurate? It's, it's a part of it. I mean, the zone and the flow is when you get so engaged in the process or the activity of what is it you're doing that all conscious awareness of an outcome is completely lost. Like you're not worried about what the score clock says with how much time is left. You're just doing the thing that's, you know, engaging you in that moment. And there's, there's a few other things that go along with it, but to kind of, I'll tell you what, what my definition of mental toughness is. My definition that I give people all the time is mental toughness is your ability to be flexible and adaptable mm. to whatever circumstance comes your way so that you can respond in the most healthy and positive way you can in that moment. Because sport and life 
is not scripted out well at all. Mm. It there's always right hooks that come your way that you don't expect. And so your ability to respond to that and be adaptable and flexible is is really important. Those athletes where you see they break in the middle of a game, they're very rigid with their mental their mental framework. You know, it, it can only follow a certain number of steps. And if we stray outside the lines, that completely screws with their concept of the way that the game was supposed to be going. Whereas people who are very mentally tough, they can flow with it. They're okay with it. And that's why they end up getting into the zone and flow state the most because they're not fighting against the current. They're kind of going with it. Mm. But one tip I can give people is, and I'm writing the book on this. This is actually what I became really more well-known and famous for in the sports world. And that is that I've been building out alter egos with athletes for you know decades now. Because mm. that really is the thing that separates them. They don't take themselves on the field of play. And I say that because, you know, we all have insecurities and self-judgments that we carry with us all the time. And, and those usually don't help us in those moments when we really need to be performing. Like you, they're not all of your day are you on the field needing to perform at your highest level. Like, and, and the analogy would be when you're, when you're doing stand-up. Your field of play is the stage. That's where you need to be performing because that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's field is when he steps between the chalk lines and goes on the field and hands off the ball or throws small passes to get short downs or first downs or throws touchdown passes. That's his field of play. Mm -hmm. So he needs to go out there and step into that with the mindset that's going to help him the most perform. So I help people establish those alter egos. Who would you... Who would you need to be in order to perform at your peak with what it is that you do? What, what are the skills that are demanded in order for you to be great at what it is you are? So for me, for example, I mean, I, was, I started out young. I had a baby face and I was always really insecure about looking um, young to other people and not being then listened to. And um, I had this irrational belief that I got at a young age that people with glasses were smarter and more respected than other people. And that was because the smartest person I knew when I was in grades, you know, grade school was Mark and he had glasses. So we get these funny beliefs from wherever. And, and so I was like, well, why don't I just do like a Superman thing? Why don't I do reverse Clark Kent? I'll put on glasses and become confident and decisive and articulate. And that's going to serve me because I speak for a living and I coach and I advise people. So my tool that I take to the marketplace that makes me valuable is my kind of ability to articulate in the moment. Mm -hmm. And and so, okay, well, that and that works great. And then I also have something that I call, a, and this is what people could take away right now, a res, uh, declaration proclamation, mm -hmm. a response proclamation. So anytime that voices in your head start to kick up when you're in there and you're supposed to be doing 15 reps of 145 pounds with your um, barbell sitting across your chest and that little voice kicks up in your head and it's that part of Kevin that kind of will sometimes want to quit or whatever, mm -hmm. you have this other part of you, this this beast mode that belongs in the gym that responds back with, you know what, you stand on the sidelines. I don't have time for this right now because this guy laying on this bench right now is going to push this fucking weight right through the ceiling. <laughs> so excuse me, I'll deal with you later. But right now there's no time or place in the space between my ears for you and what you've got to offer me. Mm. 
And so that same thing can happen with a tennis player because I've worked with people on this. When that voice kicks in their head where they're just feeling exhausted, it's like, no, it's not. It's that's not true because your body can go a long way mm -hmm. before it ever quits on you. So you put that person on the sidelines and you deal with Kevin later. Hmm. But instead, your alter ego has a name. You have a response proclamation to those little voices that want to drag you down, stop you, prevent you from taking the action that you need in order to get the job done. I love it. So, so you literally just shove them aside. Totally. And so how deep do you go into developing this alter ego? Very deep. Yeah. We, I have a five-step process mm -hmm. that we do. And uh, we talk about building an origin story. Never forget, we are, our minds are deeply rooted in story. Yeah. We are constantly – that's why I tell people all the time, like, you know, you telling me that you can't do something, that's not based – that's a you thing, not a true thing. Mm -hmm. That's you and that's not true. Mm -hmm. And how I know that is because we're storytellers. So you're telling me a story yeah. about these, this history that you've had that's going to stop you from moving forward. That's not, that's not how life works. Yeah. You can completely change and alter yourself in this moment if you decide and are willing to work with a great process or a system to make that happen. And so now I've got five steps that I work with people through. One has an origin story to it where we really dive into it. Um, yeah. And I'm excited because, I mean, I should have probably had the book out 14 years ago. Um, and I'm, so I'm writing this book really at the end of my kind of sporting and mentoring career there, which is only going to cause more people to come to me. But it's actually got more of a business lens to it than it does even a sports lens. But I can't wait to kind of get it out there okay. because it's, um, it. it's, it's fun stuff. Great. So tell me now, how do people get Todd Herman in their life? They can go to toddherman.me. And I actually just recently launched a podcast called The Grit and Hustle Show, uh, real and raw stories of how achievers actually made it. And I'm kind of diving into the process of what it really took for someone like Robert Greene, the author of The 48 Laws of Power and Seduction and The 50th Law. Like, what did his writing career look like? How did he get to that place where he's now a five-time New York Times bestselling author? Yeah. Um, because... Too often we shine the light on the finish line and not on the process, which is really the difference maker. Yeah. Awesome. The Grit and Hustle Show. Yes. And, and that'll be out um, before this airs. Uh, that'll be available at, on iTunes and other places you love to get. Uh, yeah. They, if they go to ToddHerman.me, we'll have links there too. Awesome. And the new book, does it have a title yet? Not yet. It'll be... It could be called the alter ego effect. I'm, I'm working with uh, people that are far smarter than me at naming things. So yeah. um, uh, we'll, we'll see how that comes out. And it might, it might be out later this year or early 2016. Awesome. Todd, can't thank you enough for making time for us today. And uh, I'm sure the audience is going to love it, get a lot of value from it. And uh, look forward to hanging out with you again soon. Absolutely, Kev. You're a champ, buddy. Talk soon, man. Bye. Ciao. That felt good. I think that was a really good show. Yeah, I dug it. Hey, if you want the show notes and the links we mentioned, uh, head over to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M. That's copychief.com forward slash T-A-M. And it's all waiting for you right there. If you're interested in getting uh, coaching from me on business, on copywriting, plus access to all the amazing trainings like the Fast Wins copy course and the 60-second sales hook, plus the community. That's the real golden ticket, the community of like-minded, helpful, cool business owners and uh, professional copywriters. You should come on the inside of Copy Chief. You can get the best deal. Shh, it's our secret. 
copychief.com forward slash special. I'll watch for you inside.